Welcome everyone to this episode of Palmetto Guardian. Today we will be talking about fitness, D-Day, safety, and PTSD. Welcome everyone, I'm Specialist Chelsea Baker. And I'm Specialist David Erskine. So starting out on this podcast, we're gonna give some shout outs. Yeah, it's a super busy month, uh, June is. Yeah. Um, we've got all kinds of stuff going on. It's, uh, it's uh, PTSD Awareness Month. Mm-hmm. It's the uh, Pride Month. Mm-hmm. Uh, Father's Day falls this month. That's a couple right weeks. Away. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I think we're going to we'll elaborate on that a little bit more in some future, future podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Army Birthday. Yep, June 14th, 1775. 1775, been around for a little bit. Yeah. Um, that was actually when the Continental Congress um, authorized the, the first use of riflemen to connect, uh, protect the United Colonies uh, is where all that kind of started for, and it was for one year. It was only, only, for, year. It was only supposed to be for one year hmm. initially uh, to for, protect the colonies and stuff, and of course, as we see, we've We've kind of kept on with that. We've yeah. kept them around for a few years. And a lot longer than one year. A lot longer than one year. <laughs> Re-upped them for a couple anyway. <laughs> Longest enlistment period ever. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so a uh, little happy early birthday to the yeah. Army right around the corner. So that's, that's awesome. It's outstanding. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, so now we're just going to go right into our first topic, which is fitness. Fitness, yeah. Uh, everybody's getting their beach body ready. For the or summer. realizing that it's it's not coming, <laughs> one of the two. <laughs> or it's not coming. It's not it's not where you need it to be. But Wait not until f- next year. Until next year. Uh, <laughs> fitness is a huge deal, you know, yeah. f- for the military. I mean, it's a big part of who and what we are and mm-hmm. and what we have to do. Um, and you know, by no mean or either you or I specialist in the in the fitness area. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, <laughs> I would like to think so sometimes, but. Yeah, no, it's not, not, really. not really, you know, and, and that's the thing. A lot of times, you know, we do think we're doing the right things for fitness. You know, we think the way we're running is, is making us faster. Or, you know, if we do push-ups this way or if we're lifting weights and, and whatever else, and it's not always, you know, the correct mechanics. I've, I've been through a few of the programs uh, throughout the national guard or whatnot, and I've definitely learned some stuff, you know, uh, things that I was doing wrong, things that I was doing right. Yeah, I mean, I have two as well. Everybody's different. Everybody's body's different. So you got to figure out what's right for you and take bits and pieces of advice from people and kind of make it your own. But don't try to follow exactly what one person does because what works for them might not work for you. Yeah, yeah, 100% true. Um, so brings us a point, you know, if y'all would like to learn more about fitness and stuff, there's there's people and there's programs here in, in South Carolina National Guard that are offered. Uh, we could see about getting somebody to come on the podcast, and maybe yeah. talk to us about fitness extensively. If that's a topic that's you know interesting to to our listeners out there and our viewers, then yeah, we, I I think that's something we could do. Yeah, definitely. So I guess if if you're interested in that, leave us a comment or a shout out or something, and let us know so that we can get that set up for you guys yeah yeah for sure um and because that's what we're doing we're growing this we're, we're trying to get topics and stuff you know i was looking for those 1.3 million views after <laughs> uh, we didn't quite hit that yet no we fell a little short <laughs> um i think if you carry the one and round it up i mean we're ballpark <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, ba- we're ballpark yeah, um, we're not too far off no 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 maybe a couple more will be there maybe a million 
300 and some thousand. <laughs> but, uh, no, you know, we're going in. Surprisingly, a lot of people have already approached us about joining and getting their topics out, which is, is good. And hopefully, you know, this gets out to the younger soldiers and the, and the force as a whole and, and family members. You know, I shared all of it with all of my family and stuff. And yeah. So, yeah, you know, just growing. This is for y'all. So, you know, topics that you're interested in, by all means, you know, interact with us on, on social media and stuff and let us know. Yes. So um, tomorrow, correct, or Friday, is the 75th anniversary? Uh, Saturday, June, June 8th. June. Yeah, Saturday, Friday is the, the safety briefing, uh, safety event, which we'll okay. get to that a little bit later in the podcast. I jumped the gun. You jumped the gun. You're one ahead. <laughs> um, but June 8th, 75th anniversary of D-Day. Um, and we're, we were fortunate enough to, to be able to get uh, John Freeman, from the South Carolina Military Museum. He'll be in, on the podcast with us in this episode to talk to us a little bit more about D-Day, the event here that they're having at the Bluff Road Armory slash South Carolina Military Museum and, and, and some stuff like that. It'll be good. So we have John Freeman, the weapons curator for the South Carolina Military Museum, and he's here to talk to us today about the 75th anniversary of D-Day. So welcome. Well, thank you. It's nice to be here. I love, I love the set you put together, by the way. It's, thank you. It's very in-depth. Yeah, uh, cool thing about our set, our set is actually located in the South Carolina Military Museum. <laughs> I know, we're only 10 feet from my office, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's still nice to be here. Yeah, it's still nice to be here. So, so could you uh, tell us a little bit about um, D-Day and I guess the event that you guys are hosting for the anniversary? Absolutely. So D-Day occurred June 6th, 1944. And it was planned as the reinvasion of Fortress Syrup by Allied forces into what was occupied France, uh, occupied by Germany, of course. So we're trying to remember that 75 years is a long time later. And unfortunately, a lot of the vets that were there and that have been going through the years are starting to become sparse. And it's the greatest generation that's starting to die off. So we're trying to sort of have an event to remember them, the ones that came back and the ones that didn't. And the event will be this weekend, June 8th, kicking off at 830. And that will be here at the museum? That will be here at the museum and the Bluff Road Armory. It's sort of going to be between both of them, so both locations, but it'll be here. Okay. And it's absolutely free. And it's to public, not just military? All public, all public's invited, absolutely free. There's going to be a ceremony starting at 10 o'clock. Um, at 11 o'clock, we're going to have uh, some World War II veterans actually signing and meeting with the public, signing autographs and things like that. And then throughout the day, we're also going to have tanks and half-tracks and motor vehicles of all types and all, and all countries from World War II, along with a lot of reenactors who are setting up tables. So there's going to be a lot going on. Awesome. Um, do you all have, uh, you said it starts that morning, uh, you said 10? 10? Uh, gates open at 8.30. 8.30. Ceremonies at 10. Ceremonies at 10. Uh, y'all have a wrap-up time, or are y'all just going? Four o'clock. Four o'clock. It'll, it'll, they'll be going all day till four o'clock, and then four o'clock when I start to shut things down. Okay. All right. Um, and then... Rain or shine, by the way. Rain or shine? Because it's, it's of course, supposed to rain. But yeah, ra rain or shine, the event will be going on. So, so if it does rain, uh, I guess plans to move it indoors? Or? So most of it will be indoors already, so we don't have to worry about the heat or the rain. But uh, some of the artifacts, some of the, well, the tanks, of course, they were going to be outside. And to my knowledge, they'll still be outside in the rain if you want to brave the weather to go out and see them. Oh, cool. The, the South Carolina Military Museum's here. All year round, right? Six days a week, we're open. Six days a week. Ten at ten o'clock to four o'clock, and we're right on Bluff Road behind the Armory. So it can be a little difficult for people to find sometimes, but you turn next to Bojangles, the light, and right there at the main gate. So it's 
it's easy to find us once you know where we are, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, Any cost to come to the museum? Just like the event, museum's absolutely free. Uh, we encourage anyone and everyone to come by if they can. And uh, we cover South Carolina's military history from 1670 when Charleston was founded. <laughs> yeah, that's that's um, the, the big number. Yeah, uh, 1670 is the big number around here, but we cover from there all the way all the way to modern times with almost anything to do with South Carolina military history. Uh, we talk militia, we talk National Guard, we talk Naval Reserves. It's all it's all in here. So, oh, that's, that's outstanding. So, do you have a area in the museum that you would consider like maybe your favorite display or? I do. I do have a favorite section of the museum. That's a good way to ask. So. I'm the weapons curator, so my job is to manage the collection of weapons, and that also extends into most technology uh, related, like weapons platforms, tanks, things like that. But my favorite area, we have one area that's called Artillery Hall. And inside Artillery Hall, we have six, seven, eight uh, artillery pieces or pr different projectile types in there. That's probably my favorite area because we cover the whole time frame. We have stuff in there from the 16, 1700s to stuff that was made in 1950 and only served in the front lines for five years. It's all in that one relatively short area. I think it tells a great story of South Carolina within it as well. So. Yeah, art artillery is a big thing for South Carolina. Huge. Yeah, it kind of made us famous, right? Huge, <laughs> yeah. huge thing for us. It's a huge thing for us. Um, so, um, Military Museum is open all year round, free, all the public, yeah? Um, I've been through it several times. I've actually shot a video of the whole museum uh, several years back. Uh, I found it very interesting there's, that y'all have some very unique artifacts. Uh, and, and extremely unique. Like, Smithsonian doesn't have this type of we stuff. We do. Uh, in one of our galleries, we have the very first production helicopter that the Army ever received. It wasn't the first helicopter the Army had, because they had pre-production models. But this is the first helicopter. It's an H-13B. And it's serial number one. And we have the tag on the helicopter that says serial number one of production. So we've, we've received offers for it yet, but we haven't received any uh, prices that match what we're asking. So we're going we're gonna to hold on to that one. <laughs> yeah, super cool. I love the helicopter. Um, Y'all, we've even had um, some of the TV stations, TV channels actually come to this museum. Uh, the, if I got this correct, the Blakely rifled cannons. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, another super rare piece if you've never seen those. Yeah, that's a South. That's from South Carolina as well. It was taken up just off of the Isle of Palms, where a lot of South Carolinians spent their spent their time swimming as kids. So half a mile off the coast, those cannons came from it, and they believe they were on Mysteries at the Museum. Yeah, Mysteries. We've museum. been on that show probably about four or five times now. So. Yeah. So I mean, super jam packed. Mm -hmm. um, um, my favorite thing in the museum is actually the the trench art section that y'all have from World War II. Really, I, I love it. I love it. I just I, uh, mortar shells for for those who haven't seen trench art. It is World War II time frame. Uh, they most World of our pieces are World War One to, to the end of World War One, hitting into World War Two. So. Um, and they're the hand engraved mm -hmm. shells, and 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 we have more than shells. You know, we have um, it'd be a small like rifle shell. They will turn into a uh, a letter opener yeah. or someone we have a the canteen they painted their canteen in some sort of enamel paint and they painted it white and have flowers all over it as well so I mean and, and then the lamp made out of the and we have a lamp made out of a 75 millimeter artillery shell awesome. so yeah. and they, we have actually quite a few of them because with, with museums the thing is is most of your collection is always in storage just because you never have the room to put it all out on display mm -hmm. and you don't necessarily want to because light and weather and bugs and everything really damages it so the less you have it out in the open the longer you can keep it but nothing lasts forever. So museums at one time typically only have 10, 15% of their collection on display. 
So we have a lot of stuff, like you were saying, the trench art. We actually have a lot of trench art that's not out there on display. And that's what we do. You know, if you've been by the museum before and you think, oh, you know, I've seen it, I don't need to go back. Well, we're constantly changing. We're going in and we're cycling out old artifacts that may have been up too long. Maybe we're starting to see some damage on them. We'll replace them with something else and let that artifact rest in storage. So we're always changing. And part of that change, actually, is we're opening up a temporary exhibit downstairs, right where we're at right now, for D-Day to commemorate D-Day and um, everything that happened. So if it's also free. It's included with uh, when you come here. And it'll be here on Saturday, and it'll be here for a couple weeks after as well. Oh, very cool. That'll be awesome. Now, how do you guys come across your artifacts? So a lot of it... Um, a lot of it started when the museum got started, but honestly, a lot of it's just we, we reach out to people or people reach out to us and say, look, uh, for instance, I just got off the phone with a lady who had something that she thought we might be interested in. And we get that very often. And unfortunately, a lot of times we have to turn people away if it's something we have a lot of already or maybe it doesn't completely um, adhere to our collections policy. Um, and if that's the case, though, we'll try to steer them somewhere that we think could really utilize that to one of the other local museums or institutions. But if it's something that we really love and we need, well, I mean, we'll jump on it in a heartbeat because we feel like we can use it. Um, so we have to be picky, but at the same time, all comes from the public. We do have a few federal items that come from the uh, Department of the Army, and those, of course, are tightly monitored and everything else. But everything else is almost don donation completely. So, wow. Outstanding. Including firearms. Including firearms. Yeah. yeah we, we, have, we, have a, we have a number of firearms that um, we are the custodians of being a quasi-state entity that we're legally we're legally capable to maintain, so. Oh, outstanding. Um, now, I'll tell you something I've learned, both just being around over at the museum and then and now working in, in the office space over here full time, is the amount of work that goes into a museum <laughs> is absurd. It's absurd. You don't even think about it. Uh, you know, you walk in, you see all this stuff, and like, oh, it's here, you know? It, it just, it poofed, and it was here. Um, not only just setting up displays and getting all the the information, the research, but there's a lot of fabrication that goes on in museums. Um, you mentioned the D-Day um, display downstairs. Y'all created a cockpit yep. from one of the gliders. I mean, there was nothing there. It was a drawing on a piece of paper, and, and people put this thing together just, just for this event, really. Yeah. Um, and that's just the work you can see. Unfortunately, the way it works in the museum, so much is behind the scenes that it may look like nothing's happening, but there's still constantly work going done because uh, we could be trying to maybe make our, um, our management systems more efficient, or maybe we're having up upgrades to some of our storage areas, or maybe we're preventing some of them from leaking or getting the AC fixed and stuff like that. So it really, like you said, it's a, it's a, it's a job that requires a bunch of different hats because not only do you have to know how to cut and rip a board, but you also know, have to know how much sunlight exposure and what temperature would this artifact be best kept at. If you put it inside a case, what should the case be made out of? What kind of security screw do you want to use, and, and such and so forth. So, it really takes a lot of juggling, <laughs> but it's it's fun. It keeps you on your feet. So, so, um, I tell you what, anybody who hasn't, they need to come down and check out. I, it, bottom line, if you're in the South Carolina National Guard, bare minimum, you need to come walk through this thing one time because this is this is your history. That's right. This is why you're here. Um, I, and honestly, I, I skipped out on it for years until I was asked to come shoot the video. Opened my eyes to just everything that's in there. Uh, there's something for everybody, mm -hmm. you know, whether, you know, something like the trench art or if you're weapons or swords or uh, uniforms. Right. We have rations if you're interested in food or we have... 
firearms if you like firearms we have tanks if you like tanks so yeah we have we have it all yeah have it all so recommend anybody out there who hasn't been here definitely uh, come by take a look at it it's free absolutely it's, it's free um and like you said it's always work they're always adding new stuff mm-hmm. eventually y'all are going to have an, an additional wing onto the plant the plans currently are uh we're going to have an army aviation section added to the museum um, we're still tentative on how we're going to accomplish this, but yeah, we're, we're still looking to expand. So. so yeah, constantly growing, always new stuff. Always, always, always got to keep moving. Outstanding. Um, well, we appreciate you coming by and talking to us about the D-Day events, the museum in general. I'm sure we'll see you and other museum staff. I hope so. It'd be, it'd be nice. Yeah. We, we always, we always love to come back. So yeah, that'd be great. All right. Well, thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. So we're super excited for the event on Saturday. Make sure that you come out and check it out from 8 to 4, roughly, um, at the Bluff Road Armory and at the South Carolina Military Museum. There's going to be a lot of cool stuff from what he said. Yeah, you know, all the outside exhibits, some interesting vehicles, Mm -hmm. plus just whatever is already in the Military Mm -hmm. Museum itself. Um, The World War II vets. That's pretty cool. I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, no doubt. Coming out signing some autographs and... Things like that. It's, it's a good time, you know, kids, whatever. You know, it's open to the public. It's a free event. Yeah. It's Rain not... or shine, which is nice because and if you already are planning to do something this weekend and it rains or whatever, you know that you can still come and do something. Yeah, like you said, most of it's supposed to be inside. inside yeah. So, yeah, it'd be, it'd be a great, it'd be a fun event. It'd be a fun event, so. So now we're going into safety, which I know last week we kind of touched bases on roughly about safety. Yeah, summer, some, some summer safety tips. Mm-hmm. I don't know the 100 one days of summer and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we, we were able to get the, the specialist in for, for safety. Yes. Yeah. First time we have two, well, three actually, guest speakers um, in one podcast. Yeah. And it's only our second episode. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, super awesome. Yeah. They, um, uh, yeah, we were, we were lucky enough, um, uh, Chief Warrant Officer uh, Carl Brown mm-hmm. and Sergeant uh, Terry Addis mm-hmm. are, are joining us to yep. talk a little bit more about safety. There's also a safety event yes. coming up this Friday yes. on the 7th before the <laughs> uh, D-Day Remembrance uh, event on, on Saturday. Um, so, yeah, it should be good to hear what they have to say and, and give us some pointers and stuff on safety. So today with us we have from the State Safety Office. I'm CW3 Carl Brown, the State Safety Manager. And I'm Staff Sergeant Terry Addis, Safety Specialist. Now, um, coming up this Friday, uh, you guys have an event going on. Could you tell us a little bit about that, sir? Yes, we have the uh, annual safety fair and occupational health safety fair. Um, We have different vendors who come out that uh, exhibit their different items and related to safety. Um, We're going to have giveaways. Um, We're going to have some motorcycle safety stuff going on. And... <laughs> All right, the the safety fair. We got a lot. He's correct. We have uh, motorcycle safety. We have weapon safety, POV safety. Uh, we have vendors coming in that's going to illustrate some products that'll help our FMO when it's dealing with our armories. We kind of took a really broad approach this time to try to touch everybody and not just a finite few. Uh, and we also, you know, spas. You know, all those things that deal with mental health and wellness, you know, physical fitness uh, is, and we try to, we try to make it a little bit better than we did last year. So we kind of took a broader approach 
and how we brought vendors in. Okay. Um, so is this something that's open to just the soldiers or is it soldiers and their family members, retirees? Um, who, who is this kind of who's set up for? Soldiers, families, dependents, our state employees, any and everybody that we touch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now where exact, like time, location, uh, that kind of stuff that we can put out to everybody. <laughs> That'll be at the uh, Bluff Road Armory mm -hmm. from uh, 10 to 2 o'clock. Um, so mention the vendors and, and everything else like that. Um, is it just going to be all static events or is there going to be opportunities for education, uh, any demonstrations or anything like that? Or is it just going to be kind of a, a mill through situation? Just check out what you want. To. A little bit of both. Um, we'll have some of the, uh, the goggles where you put them on and make you feel like you're drunk driving. Um, we'll have some people doing some play, uh, displays with firearm safety. Um, we'll, uh, uh, let's see, we've got a boating simulator from the DNR. It's not quite as elaborate as it sounds, but it just gives people an idea of what to look at, you know, if you take your boat out on, on the lake, you know, how to be safe while you're operating it, some things to check. Uh, let's see, with Honda, Honda Power Sports, uh, they, uh, they really support our motorcycle safety program for the National Guard in general, so we bring them out so they can illustrate what proper PPE looks like when you ride a motorcycle and what's required. Uh, of course, we highlight our own motorcycle safety program. Oh, for POV safety and vehicle, well, just vehicle safety in general, we'll have someone there from our surface maintenance area that's going to, you know, remind people, hey, you know, do your maintenance, you know, check your tires, you know, just the basic operator pre and post checks. You know, because a lot of people travel this time of year. So, gotcha. Yeah. Um, you mentioned boater safety. It's funny. I, last podcast we had, I brought up boater safety. It's a big thing to me. Um, spend a lot of time on the lake during the summer with family and, and whatnot. Uh, what do y'all see from the safety office side? You know, everybody kind of has their all safety is important. But, you know, all safety is important. But are there any kind of key areas that you see with soldiers where you know, they could use a little bit more instruction or is, is, is a problem that y'all would like to bring light to or attention towards? It's a little bit of everything. Um, you can't, it's hard to touch it specifically. We have to address it as the situation happens. And that's a constant situation that goes on, whether it's driver safety, motorcycle safety, boating safety. Um, we talked a lot about the 101 days of summer where everyone gets out and and they do a lot of outside activities because it's warm outside. The winter's over, and hey, it's time to get out and play. So you have your grilling safety. You have your ATV safety. You got fireworks safety. Um, I talked today about yard safety with the sergeant majors. Um, sometimes we don't pay attention that when we get in the yard, we kind of overdo it because we're out in the heat, and we want to make everything look beautiful, whether it's a honeydew list or you just like getting in the yard because you got a green thumb. So we, we touch all aspects of safety without – kind of shoving one thing down somebody's throat. Now, can you explain exactly a little bit of what the safety office is and what you guys do? Um, the safety office is there to, to bring awareness mm -hmm. to different hazards that are out there in the field, whether it's at work, um, whether it's off duty. Um, we, we do that because you have regulations and we, of course, they have to be followed. 
but we can't make you do anything. So if we bring the awareness, it's a lot easier for you to accept it as an individual to say, hey, you know what, I didn't think about that, as opposed to, hey, you better put this on, when really that's what we're saying. Yes. Um, interesting. Uh, I w- you mentioned a minute ago, but you mentioned girl safety. Uh, yeah. and, and not to point out just girl safety in general, but I just thought that was kind of odd. I would have never thought of, you know, safety around the grill. So outside of this event uh, coming up on uh, this Friday on June 7th, you know, where can you, where's the, the assets to find out this type of information and stuff? Is it a, is it a contact y'all? Is there literature out there? What? You can contact us, but every, every soldier, especially the younger ones, a lot younger than we are, know what Google will do. <laughs> and you can find out almost anything because the biggest hazard with a grill is failure to light and then... You have, you, what you basically get is an explosive atmosphere under the hood. And you may not have a full on-out flame, but if you open the grill cover, <laughs> you add oxygen to that, that propane mix, right? and there you go. And then, because we have had soldiers, so, yeah. you know, get third-degree burns from a grill incident. You yeah. know, a drill, when they're grilling, you know, a lot of units do that, or even at home. You know, in their in their off duty, no duty time. So, you know, I mean, you don't really think about something as commonplace as a grill or or even charcoal briquettes. Yeah. You know, my, they came out with match light, and I thought that was the coolest thing ever. I, good lord, I'm old. But anyway, <laughs> but you know, people still use the old fluid and flame routine. Uh-huh. And if you overdo it, and you wait too long, you know, the the fluid vaporizes. You got a little gas pocket right there, and it'll, and then you have people, you know, with a nice singe hair look. So, yeah. I mean, that that's the biggest, the biggest hazard with grills. And we just, you know, just a common courtesy to say, hey, remember, you know, be careful, watch what you're doing. So, what do y'all think is probably your, your biggest challenge in the safety office as far as? Um, getting soldiers involved in the programs and, and making safety a priority? Um, probably getting it down to the lowest level. Um, <clears throat> every unit, every MSC should have their own safety officers and additional duty safety officers. So we put out messages uh, sometimes quarterly, sometimes depending on the season. And so those messages are going out to highlight some of the key things that could possibly happen. Like we just talked about the 101 days of summer. Um, now we're into hurricane season. So making sure, and that's one reason why I went to talk to the sergeant majors, so they can go out and, and talk to their soldiers and get it down to that E1, E2, E3, who's not thinking about safety, who's uh, footloose and fancy free <laughs> and uh, is going to YouTube everything before he does it. And we all know that YouTube is not the right answer and common sense isn't always common. So we, we need to just educate our soldiers. Yeah, yeah, very true. Um, so you, you did mention, um, you know, YouTube and, and things like that. And the younger soldiers, you know, they, they use the Internet and kind of go all over the place. And, you know, I've, I've seen the YouTube videos where you throw the lighter fluid in the tire and throw the match <laughs> on, boom, you know. <laughs> Quickest way to get a tire on a rim, right? Um, so, <laughs> maybe, maybe not so much. But um, so, 
are, do y'all have any good sources outside of, um, uh, so I guess some proper sources, uh, any websites or anything like that, just for general safety information, not anything specifically, but you know, I know, um, a lot of times we, we did hurricane, uh, safety and, and preparedness on the last podcast. Right. And we just kind of went over some general checklist item type things of preparation. Is there something like that? If you're say it's your, your first time camper and you don't, you don't know, you know, what all the, the, the safety hazards may or may not be for that situation. Now you can't necessarily know each individual. And what's just some good practices of general procedure. Well, nice, nice enough. DNR has a great website because we have everything from lowlands and marshes all the way up to mountains and rocky terrain in the northwest corner of the state. So we have it all. Uh, DNR has a great website. You know, the EMD website also has a lot of good stuff as far as hurricane preparedness, specifically for South Carolinians. Uh, For the Army side, you have the CRC or the Army Safety Center however you want to do it, that website's readily available to anybody. You know, with our, you can get so far without an RCAS account, but if you can CAC in, you can get much more detailed information. And uh, the, the OSHA.gov website, uh, Consumer Protection Agency, there's... National Weather. Yeah, National Weather Service. There's hundreds and hundreds of right. different things. And there's even... You know, again, with the young, oh, I can't say that because I have it, but the National Weather Service app on your phone. Okay. Yes. And you can actually track a storm as it approaches using, you know, their radar function. So, so I, did, I did yesterday with all the big storms coming through. So. Gotcha. So with a little bit of effort, you can find the resources you need and, right. and come up with good plans. To yeah, keep exactly. You yourself. Yes. I got you. Well, we're available, too. I mean, we're always a phone call away. I like to consider us a, a big customer service office. Because outside of, you know, what Chief mentioned earlier, you know, we're here to recommend to the command cell, you know, the DAGTAG and Chief of Staff, you know, what we think is the best course of action. We don't, we're not the decision maker, but we give them a very highly educated recommendation. But, you know, we're also, you know, the guys that just want to, you know, give each individual soldier, if they call and ask a question, to be able to give them the best possible answer or show them where to find it for future um now if um say a soldier or anybody in the national guard uh is out there and you see an unsafe situation you know boards up on the deck whatever it may be however small or however big it is are y'all an office that they can reach out to is there a process if they see a, a safety violation that they can um do they come to you uh, or to y'all's office or you know they usually give us a phone call yeah and i'm not beyond getting a picture on the text <laughs> i can actually see what they see okay and then we'll you know we'll give them our best you know if it's something that we can't really discern what they're describing then we'll go out and make a site visit yeah. i mean we do an inspection process yearly anyway but if this is something that just kind of popped up all of a sudden you know we're we'll just we got gsa so we'll just hop in it and go take a look. There you go. That's the best way to do it sometimes, right? Yeah. Just run out there and exactly. see it for yourself. See it for yourself, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I guess any uh, parting words of wisdom from the safety office to, to all the soldiers, families, service members, dependents, everybody that's out there? 
safety is uh, never important until something happens. Um, don't take it for granted. Um, anything can happen at any time. It doesn't take a split second for accident to happen. Don't be afraid to, to YouTube. Uh, I'm not going to use YouTube, but Google it. Um, Google and see what resources are out there. And by all means, call the safety office. Uh, we're here for you. Uh, we're a little short staff right now, but Terry's been my main guy, and um, he's, he's been doing above and beyond. So I want to thank him for all the work he does and uh, all the, the extra time he puts in to make sure we're, we're at a certain level. And um, just, just don't hesitate to call the safety office. Well, thank you, sir, and, and Sergeant, for coming in and talking with us about safety this week. Uh, hopefully we'll have opportunities on down the road to, to, to revisit this as, as things come up for y'all and we can help you know push the message of safety out to the soldiers in the state of South Carolina. That's right. And uh, feel free to come out to the safety fair on Friday. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That, that was ten, uh, 10 to 2? 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. for the civilians and 1000 to 1400. <laughs> Everybody else. Everybody else. There, there you go. go. There you go. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, gentlemen. All right. All right thank thanks. you very much. Thanks for having us. Yeah. All right. So that was a lot of really good information. I'm excited for the safety fair. I've gone the last two years, and they always have really cool giveaways and fun activities that you can test out. And it's just fun to be around people and yeah. check everything out. Well, unfortunately, I don't. I, you know, I don't think I've been to one of our really? our safety. Yeah, I don't. Th I don't think I've been yet. But I, after speaking with them today, I'm gonna make some time this Friday. You know, run over there at least for a few minutes. Yeah. Check out stuff. They and, always have cool stuff. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like, and safety's always important it's paramount mm -hmm. you know it's kind of safety first type thing you know we hear all the cliches about it but i mean it really is if you're if you're not doing things safely then you know that's when you get hurt and mm -hmm. things turn bad quickly exactly so now we t uh, mentioned earlier that june is national ptsd awareness month um so we're going to talk a little bit about that um and it's a tough subject for yeah people. definitely it's not something that people really want to talk about but it's it's becoming a little bit easier here and there to talk about it. Well, I think it's because, you know, as a whole, as a society, we've started to recognize it and, and we put more things in place uh, to help people, you know, with PTSD. Mm -hmm. uh, just like National Guard Service Member Family Care, mm -hmm. uh, that whole organization is great and they have a plethora of um, services out there, you know, not just for people with PTSD, but you know, anything that you, your family members, retirees, veterans, you know, could use. Mm -hmm. But they have stuff up there specifically for, you know, PTSD folks. Yeah. Uh, some of the behavioral health stuff and the resiliency and, and that type of stuff. Yeah, so, and PTSD, I think people get confused. Like, it's not always just combat-related issues. It's anybody that's been through some kind of traumatic incident that causes them to have fears or whatever. And so people should reach out more because it's not just veterans. It's not just people in the military service and it's not just people who have deployed. Like it's anybody across the board. Well, yeah, that's one thing about trauma. Trauma is relevant mm -hmm. to that person. You know, it's hard to, to judge and state that this isn't traumatic for that person because it very well could have been. Um, and I think that's what makes it even harder. Um, so much of it has just always been focused towards, you know, you had to be in a combat scenario mm -hmm. and see something horrible there, not to say that horrible things don't happen there. Mm -hmm. um, but there's so much other stuff that occurs 
um, outside of that realm. And, it, you know, and if it affects that person, it affects that person. Um, and, and that's why it's become hugely important to put these, these plans, facilities, and policies in place. Um, once again, not just for the soldiers. You know, sometimes the families go through trauma and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And that's what they're there for, to help, you know, guide them, give them the information, and hopefully get them help. Yeah. What's surprising to me is that um, general studies says that about 50% of people don't seek help for PTSD, which is kind of, I figured maybe the numbers would have been a little bit higher, but still 50%, that's half, and that's still a lot of people, but I feel like hopefully over time with people bringing it up more and letting people know that it's not something that's going to hinder you from your job or anything like that, that they can start seeking for help. Right. And that's the thing is, you know, you talk about 50% don't even ever, don't ever seek help for it. Um, that's when it becomes the hindrance mm -hmm. is when you're not getting the help for it. I mean, if you break an arm, you go to the doctor to get the arm fixed because you can't do your job you know, with the broke arm and, you know, not necessarily throw a broke arm and PTSD in the same category, but just for, you know, analogy purposes, I mean, that's what it's like if you don't get it taken care of. Um, and the worst thing about um, PTSD and those types of disorders is it spills over into all your life and mm -hmm. all your life. It affects your family, it affects your friends, it affects you. Um, and, you know, if, if you think, if you're not sure, if you've had a friend or a family member, you know, show concern about it, it's worth it to at least seek some level of help. Um, you know, and they have all the hotlines, and if you need, you know, feel that you need to kind of stay anonymous or whatever, taking that first step's huge. It's mm -hmm. just huge, and, it, and it, you know, you definitely should look into doing it. All right, well, that is it for this episode. I'm Specialist Chelsea Baker. And I'm Specialist David Erskine. And we'll catch you in the next episode.